And we are back to with Live from the Heartland. We've got, uh, we just listened to uh, Jamie Calvin of the Invisible Institute. We've got Dick Simpson here now, and shortly we'll be talking to Ethan Young. But we're real happy to have uh, just listened to Bob Marley, because Bob Marley always makes us feel better. Right? <laughs> Um, hey, Dick Simpson. What language was that? I don't know, I don't know. I was That's Katie's talk. That's supposed to be Jamaican, but you didn't quite get it. <laughs> didn't quite make it all the way there. This white Southside girl. It's, it's a big leap. That's all right. Um, Dick Simpson, The Good Fight, Lessons from a Chicago Progressive. How many books have you written? More than 20. You ridiculous man. Yeah. Are you living this off is... the residuals? Uh, yeah, I get maybe five hundred, six hundred dollars a year off of all these books. Look, this is this is the most readable of the books that you've written. I would agree to that. You know, it's it's uh, much more for those of you who are familiar with um, uh, Dick's treatises on the corruption of Chicago and Illinois politics. By the way, isn't uh, isn't Patty Blagojevich the Gets the Stand By Your Man Award today. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. Honest. Explain that. Uh, no, we'll we'll go right into this if it comes up <laughs> later. Well, uh, Dick, you were a hero of mine early on as a political animal in Chicago. When Tom and I were both eighteen, we were doing uh, political work in Chicago, mm-hmm. and you were the independent guy in the council. A shiny light. Oh, after after Lund Dupree, who you yeah. rightfully give you give great good credit in this book for your heroes. Well, and I'm really trying to write for our generation, um, you know, so I wanted to recognize other people uh, and what they had done. Uh, but you're right, I led the opposition block against Mayor Richard J. Daley and Mayor Michael Belendick, and those were uh, pretty exciting times in Chicago when we were fighting for the future of the city and what uh, form and shape it ought to take. Well, in addition to Len Dupre, you also give good credit to um, Studs Terkel. Yeah, it was a good friend. Uh, Studs was a constituent, actually. Met him when I was first running for alderman, him and Ida, his wife. And uh, then I was on Studs' program three or four times, and uh, we would often be at social events, but equally often we would both be speaking to peace rallies or whatever rally was going on in the city in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and so on. I sure appreciated Ray Nordstrand and Don Clark Netch's name in appearing as well. Yeah, you know, um, Ray was uh, head of WFMT. He was the general manager. He also started the folk music program that most people in Chicago know and grew up with, probably. Uh, And he doesn't get all the credit that he should because most of the people who were either in media or in business wouldn't touch the independent movement. Ray helped organize uh, the fundraisers for my Aldermanic campaign mm-hmm. and uh, the money that we needed to raise, like you do for the radio station, we had to raise money to run the Aldermanic office. And uh, for a number of years, Ray did that. And that was just extraordinary in terms of other business people particularly, but also uh, particularly other people who were media giants or who were involved in uh, the media operations of the city in a, in a major way that was really recognized. Uh, Dick, you know, all three of the hosts on this show uh, get to talk to younger people sometimes and we share how we got involved and things that went on. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you made a move from uh, being a, uh, like a military kid, like at uh, Texas A&M, going off to University of Texas and getting involved with Students for Democratic Action. Yeah, I tried to open the book with a bang. Uh, it, we were at it a, was a bang. It was a bang. It was a bomb. Uh, we were uh, organizing a civil rights 
demonstration, the first stand-in in the country. Uh, people remember sit-ins. Uh, those were the ones where we worked to integrate restaurants. But with the stand-ins, we were trying to integrate the theaters. In those days, particularly in Texas where I was, but uh, throughout the South, but throughout most of the country, uh, African-Americans had to sit in a separate section up in the balcony. They weren't allowed on the first floor of the theater. In the movie theaters. In the talking. movie theaters. And so uh, we were had our first organizing meeting, and somebody didn't like it, and they uh, blew it up. But they, uh, fortunately, these young redneck kids in Texas aren't good bomb makers in the day. And uh, they ended up knocking out a window and throwing shards of glass. But and they got fined 200 bucks. They got fined. <laughs> uh, they got kicked out of the university, came back. Uh, I think they ended up actually pretty bad shape in the long run. But their intent was to prevent, you know, civil rights from coming to a place like Texas. So we, that was the attitude we faced. And I had come from a military academy, the Texas A&M. It was the worst of the military and the worst of a bad fraternity. Uh, all rolled into one and they did um, one of my uh, fellow freshmen in the company up door upstairs in the dormitory had decided he couldn't take it any longer and he quit and the seniors were very afraid he was going to rat on everybody and tell what really happened with the hazing which was of course illegal and um, they threw all his clothes and all his papers out of the window up on the fourth floor for some reason, they were real music lovers. They carried the music downstairs, and, and the, the one record player. But I wrote a protest letter to the uh, Wesley Foundation newsletter, and that got me into trouble. I was stigmatized by the Corps of Cadets, but I stood out the year, and then I went to a friendlier place at the University of Texas, and that's where I got involved in civil rights. When... <clears throat> when uh you became an independent alderman. You were the one that was railing against the, the corrupt machine. How do you look back in the machine of Daly to the ROM operation today? So the machine, in my view, has had uh, three, to use a fancy word, transmogrifications. Uh, Say that one more time. Transmogrifications. Migrifications. You just, you just made that up. No, it's a big, <laughs> it's it a big up, word. We're going to use that all the time. Transmigrifications. Yeah. I think it's Morgan. You could just say change, but, you know, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be a college professor. Or reincarnations. <laughs> you know. All right. But in any case, so the Richard J. Daly machine, to put it in simple terms, uh, had nepotism patronage and um, uh, was a tight-knit organization, mostly boots on the ground, and uh, they raised money uh, and did all the things a political party did, and they had ironclad uh, control, and they created corruption as a side effect. Well, the next change after Harold Washington broke up that party for a bit, but he didn't destroy it. Those are the good wish years. It was, wish it had, <laughs> but I wish Harold was right that the machine was dead, 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 but the machine came back to life under Richard M. Daly. And the change with Richard M. Daly was that... Um, now we had big money from the global economy pouring in and pinstripe patronage. And the people in the global economy don't want to, you know, sell widgets to City Hall for a nickel. They want to make real money. So they just want the city to be a certain kind of city that will work for their corporation. And uh, we're talking big money. I mean, under Rahm Emanuel, it's $32 million when he ran for mayor. Uh, under Daly, it was $7 million. So the price has gone up a bit. So anyway, Daly reorganized the machine. He no longer trusted the ward committeeman. He created his own machine with the Hispanic Democratic Organization, a bunch of other 
uh, groups that were his so-called daily volunteers, who happened to work at City Hall, of course, but they were volunteers in a good, uh, honest way. Any case, that was the Richard M. Daly machine, and then under Rahm Emanuel, it's become more and more a big money machine. Yeah. the um, One of the questions that Tom so well puts together our, our little blurb here, I, I, I've got to ask it because it's Martin Luther King weekend. Are, is it racism or class, do you think, as the root cause of Chicago's inequitable development uh, aspect? And how are we ever going to rid this city and ourselves of racism? So a couple got, of small questions to boot uh, I get asked two at once. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> there's sort of good news and bad news. Uh, the segregation index in Chicago used to be 94, meaning 94% of the people would have wow. to move to be in a neighborhood that right. was the same racial mix as in the metropolitan region. It's improved. It's now something like 84 so only 84% of the people have to move to be able to have the same mix. Um, that's actually a real improvement. It's not good. Yeah. We're still not the most segregated, but one of the most segregated cities in the country. Mm -hmm. We vie with places like Dallas and Milwaukee to see who's most segregated every time around. Mm -hmm. But there is improvement, and you can see all kinds of forms of improvement, but we still have racism, and that's no doubt. And certainly tearing down the public housing under Richard M. Daley, and then not building replacement housing, uh, has spread the poverty and um, in, the, in the neighborhoods where Robert Taylor was and Cabrini Green and so forth. What happened is we used to have 40% unemployment in, uh, in the neighborhoods where the CHA housing was. Mm. Now we got 30% unemployment for two or three wards west. It's just mm -hmm. spread it out basically. So we've got a lot of work still left. Uh, there's also, though, basic income inequality, which comes from being a global city. Uh, we have worse income inequality now than we did in 1960 or 1970. So much worse. Yeah. So much worse. What do you think of the state of progressives post-Bernie Sanders, which I think I've, was a watershed moment? Well, I find a lot of uh, really good progressives. There's a fairly good progressive block in the city council. There are people who are being elected at the state legislative level, finally, that are mm -hmm. progressives. Um, I think we can continue to expand that base. And what we have to do is get the progressives and the more moderate folks that are still liberal, to use the old language, to get together and actually pass stuff. What do you think of the political chair <coughs> shuffle that went on um, with the surprise uh, uh, retirement of Gutierrez? Uh, I thought it was a bad thing to do. I think getting Chewy Garcia as the new congressman in the 4th District is a good thing. So mm -hmm. sometimes bad processes still yield good results. <laughs> right. You got any uh, insight on possible good candidates to run for mayor? No, I think that's a big mystery since uh, Chewy is uh, now going to be a congressman. Um, I'm not satisfied. I know the people who've said they're going to run and so forth and the people who are thinking about running, but I haven't found an, an ideal candidate. One of the things you have to remember for running for mayor, I mentioned it, is Ron Emanuel raises $32 million. Um, you don't have to raise $32 million, but you do have to raise five or six to be able to run for mayor. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. Um, you have to have a, a whole bunch of aldermanic candidates. There, I do get every week. I meet with another aldermanic candidate running somewhere, 
uh, that are be to use your general label progressive, mm-hmm. um, or at least not part of the Emanuel machine. Uh, so there is some hope uh, for progress, but it's up to us to make that. The good fight really is talking about what we fought for for 50 years, but now where that fight should go forward and how we should continue on a path of improvement and betterment. Dick Simpson, thanks so much for joining us for at least a brief conversation about a wonderful memoir. The book is The Good Fight, Life's Lessons from a Chicago Progressive. Pick it up now. It's a great history lesson as we move on to a more progressive future. I hope we all get there. Indeed. Indeed. Right on.